Are you ready for the word of the Lord this morning? Oh, so ready. Ah, awesome. Well, I'm ready. I feel like the Lord has given me, a, a Holy Spirit took me in a, on, a, on a Bible study that was Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. We're going to bounce around a little bit this morning. First, I want to I want to talk about the goodness of God. God is good, again, I say. And it's the goodness of God that lead people to repentance. And we think we are the children. We are the children. We're the sons and daughters of God. Say with me, I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a son or a daughter of the Most High. And you know, in being sons and daughters of God, there's one of the things that I'm a father. I'm a father of Christy and three other children. And as I raised those children up, I loved them so much that I had to end up, you know, it was a heartbreak for me, but I had to raise them up and discipline them for them to be the people that God called them to be and the people that I expected them to be, to raise up to be, you know, good, productive adults. There was some discipline that was necessary in their lives. I know you look at her and say, are you kidding me? You actually had to discipline her? I got spankings. (laughs) she did she did and sometimes i just want to visit hebrews 12 just briefly i want to talk he is a good good god and he loves you and he loves me and because he loves us there's there's a couple of things anyone that you love you have a certain amount of jealousy over them and that jealousy is a protective jealousy over them because your desire is for the best for them so because of that, it's, it says here in the Bible a number of times, he is a jealous God. He's jealous over me. He loves me. He dances over me. And because of that, he, he is jealous. And, and he wants and desires the absolute best for me. He has a plan and a purpose for my life and for yours. Because of that, he brings some discipline into our lives. And I just want to share a little bit of scripture from Hebrews Just talking about just that. He is a good, good God. My son. This is uh, Hebrews 12, uh, second half of verse 5. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. Now, we've already said we are sons and daughters of the Most High. If you endure chastening, God deals with you. He brings you in as a son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Correct. Point in the right direction. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Tap, 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 tap. If you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, partakers of the chastening, then you are illegitimate and not truly sons. So as sons and daughters, God is going to bring some chastening, some correction, some direction correction in our lives. And we should embrace that. We should love that because he loves us enough to bring correction into our lives. Okay, I want you to turn with me. I said we're going to be taking a trip to Haggai. It's like a short little book, but extremely powerful. 
I felt like this was absolutely a Holy Spirit-directed Bible study that I went on uh, earlier in the, in the week. And I want to start with verse 4 in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 4. And what I want you to do is put your name in this place. I'll probably put Jared and Christie's names, names in here. Uh, here we go, starting with verse 4. Yet now, be strong, Christy says the Lord, and be strong, Jared, says the Lord, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. Now, that's all you people this morning. Everybody be strong. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted, with you when you came out of Egypt, so as we came out of bondage, out of slavery, so my spirit remains among you, so do not fear. Man, this day that we're living in right now, he says, my spirit is with you, do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it's in a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. Wasn't that crazy that we had the earth shaken under our feet the other day? Like, oh my goodness, that was pretty amazing. It seems like the times that we are in, anything and everything that can be shaken has been or will be shaken. And I will shake all nations. It's like, wow, this, this shaking from what we're going through right now is not just this nation, but all nations. I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Listen to this, verse 8. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. I want, to, I want you to, to put a mark on this. Eighth verse, second chapter. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. You know, uh, I don't know if you, some of you would definitely remember that there was a silver certificate dollar that, that, that was worth its weight in silver, I mean, that was worth its value in silver. Back in the day, a long, long time ago, you could turn a silver certificate dollar in for its weight in silver because that's what was the measure, that was the standard. Silver and gold were the standard for wealth and have, have, have been and still are. I mean, there are ads in the, in, in, the, in the paper, there are ads on the television, get gold, buy gold, buy silver, because that's always going to have value. God says, the gold and the silver are mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple. Now, he's talking about building a new temple. We're talking about a new covenant. We're talking about a new temple. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now, in 1 Corinthians says, do you not know, 1 Corinthians 3rd chapter, 16th verse says, do you not know that ye, that you, are the temple of the Holy Ghost? We, Jared, Christie, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of the living God lives in us. We have become that temple. I want to move on to, to, to verse 15 in the second chapter of Haggai. And now, I want you to carefully consider, 
from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord. I have to give a little bit more backstory here to, to explain this for it to have the impact that I want it to have on, on us this morning. The temple had been destroyed. The temple was being rebuilt. But the people were so focused on their own, creating their own wealth, building their own houses in this day when, when the prophet came and he's speaking these words that the temple had been neglected. And I'm saying that we're living in a day and we're living in a time right now that the temple of God oftentimes is neglected and our love, our care is very much have been distracted and not pointed to the Lord, not directed to the Lord our God, but directed to many, many other things, many other places. And now carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord. Now, as the temple of the Lord was being rebuilt, I think we are the temple, as we begin to lay the foundational stones, Jesus Christ being that chief cornerstone in our lives as a temple, as the temple of the living God, I just want you to be thinking of it this way. We are reestablishing. We're in a time right now where we're hearing it's time to reestablish the temple of God, reprioritize, reestablish that temple that we are. Since those days, when one came to, when, when, when somebody came looking for 20 EFAFs, somebody needed, we'll say 20 gallons, 20 whatever, they needed 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw out, uh, say, 50 gallons from the press, there were but 20. So there had become a lack. There was a lack. I struck you. Now, I think whenever God removes his right hand of blessing from our lives, that we all of a sudden can end up experiencing lack in our lives. When he removes his hand of blessing, he doesn't have to send the plague. He doesn't have to do anything like that to you or to me. All he has to do is remove his hand of blessing to bring a little correction into our lives. How many of you have had, as you were growing up, I think kids now, we got grounded, we got whoopings, we got grounded, we got things taken away from us, from our allowance, but now, how many have had your telephone, your cell phone taken away, your iPad taken away, because you're grounded, I want to bring some correction in your life, I need to teach you a little lesson. We all have, we all have. So, <clears throat> he's saying, I struck you with blight and mildew, hail and hail on the labor of your hands, yet you did not turn to me. God was desperate for their love, for their affection, for their attention. He says, okay, you went through all of this to turn your affection back to me, to turn your attention to me, but it didn't work. You did not put your focus back on me. The labor of your hands. You counted on the labor of your hands. I think, you know, right now we're going through, our economy has been incredible for the last three and a half years. We've experienced things. I am, I had a birthday here earlier in the week, and so I've seen several economic cycles in my time, our ups, our downs. And right now we are so 
we're, we're getting to experience such wealth in our economy. You know, minimum wage has been raised. There is so much business going on out there that there are not enough employees to, to, to fill all of the positions out there. Jobs are available. Higher wages. I mean, we're, we have been enjoying an amazing economy here for the last three and a half years. Real estate's gone through the roof. If you own real estate, it's like, praise the Lord. Thank you for what all's happening right here. <laughs> But we cannot, we cannot put our faith, put our trust in the economy, in the administration, in the leadership, in our government, because it can be rocked and shocked just this quick, just as we're right now experiencing through this coronavirus thing. So he says, consider now from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, as they begin to relay, as they started rebuilding the foundation for the temple and the restoration of the temple. And I say that that is the day, this is the day the Lord's made. We rejoice and be glad in it. But also, he said, this is the day of salvation. When we begin to build, to, to rebuild, to start building this temple by understanding that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, and we start building on Jesus, on that foundation, that Jesus is our all in all. He's our hope. He is the way, the truth, the light. No one comes to the Father except through him. But when we need blessing and want and desire the full blessing. Jesus came that you might have life to the abundance, that you might live and walk out abundant life. That's the reason that he came. And so we need to build our foundation on Jesus Christ. And listen to what it says here. Consider now from, the day, from this day forward that from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Now, is the seed still in the barn? Yeah, the seed's still in the barn, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree have not yet yielded fruit. But from this day forward, I will bless you. It's like when we start the foundation, building our foundation of trust on Jesus Christ, putting him first in our lives, from that day forward, mark that day, I will bless you. Is that not amazing? That's the best news. That's, okay. I want you to turn with me just very quickly to um, Revelation. Revelation 3rd chapter and going to start with the 14th verse right here. 3rd chapter beginning with verse 14. Um, I think in the essence of time I might fast forward just a little bit. But when, when uh, I was talking, what, when Haggai was speaking, he was speaking to the remnant, to the believers back then who had slipped so far away that God was not first in their life. They were not back to the foundation, not back to their first love. But when they started rebuilding that temple of God, then he said, from that day forward, I will bless you. I think we can end up finding ourselves going through a time of, of wealth, of, I mean, like I said, three and a half years, amazing three and a half years that we've experienced. Right now, there's a shock, a lot of fear going on. But I, again, I believe the hand, God's in control. He knows what's going on. It's, there's nothing happening here that's a big shock or a surprise to him. Amen. 
So when we have our faith in the right place, when we understand where our foundation comes from, man, there's a peace. Jesus said back there, he said back in, hey, I will give you peace. So, but Jesus saying, we'll start with 16. So then because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold. In other words, you're really not putting me first. You're not passionate about me. I'll spew you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich, I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing. See, when we're going through times of plenty, it's very easy for us to get complacent with the things of God, putting our trust and value in the things of the world. Do you not know that, you're rec- that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be or may be may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous, be excited, be be passionate about this and repent. Because behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come into him, dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. I just think this is, is really cool. I had you back in verse 8 there in Haggai saying, talking about the gold and silver is mine and Jesus speaking right here saying, buy gold from me, refined in the fire, refined gold. It's like, ah, oh, that, that that's awesome. He is calling us back to himself, back to the foundation of Jesus Christ. One more scripture that I want to go to, and that's Matthew 7. If you'll turn with me to Matthew. Seventh chapter, 24th verse. Therefore, whoever hears, Jesus speaking again, red letters, therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. That rock, Jesus Christ, the foundation, the cornerstone. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. It did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Now everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. I'm just telling you this morning that God is calling us back to our foundation and that we in our homes, having this opportunity now to focus in our homes on Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, building our foundation, building our house. And when you think of the house, we're building our house, our heritage. Like, you know, the Bible refers to the house of David. Jesus came down through the house of David. Our house, the house of Hardy. I just say the house of Hardy will be... I. 
Joshua said, as for, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will build on that foundation of Jesus Christ. Serve the Lord for me and my house. Yes, the house of Valley Church. <laughs> yes, for this house. Jesus. This house. Yes, chief cornerstones, Ooh. Jesus Christ. Y'all, the presence of God is so strong right now. <laughs> I am just getting wrecked. I love it. I almost like stood up and did a Holy Ghost like <laughs> lap around the church right now. I am, whoo, when we talk about Jesus, that's what happens though. <laughs> that's just what happens when you talk about uh. Jesus. Heaven is attracted to, I mean, he's, he's heaven's delights. So when we talk about Jesus, all of heaven's like, yes, I want to listen in. Holy Spirit's like, yes, that's who to talk about. Whoo, this gets me so excited. Um, you know, one thing we're going to have Jared share and something that we had this, we had this talk earlier in the week where some people have said, you know, is it weird leading worship to an empty room? And we were just talking about, it, we're like, the thought never even occurred in our minds because it's, it's a very normal thing here. Like it, yeah. the reality is that it's ministry unto the Lord. I'm not saying worshiping to an empty room is normal, but in a sense it is because we, <laughs> we worship around here a lot. Like, we'll just be like, hey, let's work on this. Let's, and, and the reality is we're not singing to people. We are singing to Jesus. Yeah, we are amen. worshiping the Lord. So while you're in your homes, this, it is, it's ministry to the Lord. Yes. No matter where you are in your car, ministry to Jesus. Right here, ministry to Jesus. And learning how to do that, having him be the cornerstone, having him be the foundation, what it's all about. So we get to hear from Jared this morning, too. Let's talk a little bit about Jared here. This young yes. man, he's incredible. He's a third-year graduate from VSSM for Valley School of Supernatural Ministry. Gone three years to that. Been working in the office in there for the last couple years. Got a servant's heart. This incredible young man has got spiritual wisdom beyond Amen. his years. Amen. He, we, we get together and we've prayed with people a number of times. And I said, Jared, do you have a word? Yes. And it never fails that God uses him in a powerful way. And I'm expecting God to use him in a really powerful way here this morning. I know. I can't wait to hear. I'm excited. Thank you. I'm so blessed and excited to be here. The presence of God is so thick in this room. <laughs> yeah. I've been shaking the entire time we've been sitting here. I'm just experiencing the goodness of God right now. But uh. I, that, I thought that was so fitting um, comparing to... Uh, our foundation with the earthquake that happened this week. It was just so <laughs> evident that God is doing stuff in this nation, in this country right now, and in the Treasure Valley as we, as we sit here. And I am so thrilled for all the amazing things that are going to be coming out of this that we need to <laughs> devote ourselves to the temple. We, this is the time. This is the time to really uh, pursue Jesus and pursue God. And I am as I say, I'm just shaking with anticipation for the goodness that is going to be coming out of this, that God, you're so good. And I'm so excited and truly just in reverence for what you're doing. And so I, I'm just blessed right now. But this week I've just been leaning in and asking God, what, what do you want me to be learning right now? Like what, what am I going to be doing for this week? And he's just been telling me, go back to the basics. And <laughs> I'm like, great, that's awesome. I'm excited. 
what are the basics? And <laughs> it, it can be one of those things where the anticipation is here, but the revelation of what it is isn't quite fully manifested yet. And I'm just caught in this in-between of, okay, but what is that? And then it just boils down to one word, Jesus. Oh. And I don't say that lightly. Mm. There's such an impact mm. when it all boils down to Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. For me, like some of the greatest messages I've ever had have been in Sunday school, just learning about Jesus. There hasn't been such mm. genuine love that I've experienced apart from when I'm hearing about Jesus. It just boils out of me. I can't help mm. but be excited. And I think this is such a fitting time as we are gathered in our homes just to really pursue Jesus, that we can come together as families on the foundation that God is building in our hearts to really pursue and worship Jesus. And so coming out of the basics there, it's just been, well, Jesus, you're the one, you're, you're my everything. How do I, mm-hmm. how do I express my praise to you? And um, he brought me to Luke chapter seven. I'm going to be reading. Well, I'm going to be paraphrasing through Luke chapter seven, verse 36, all the way to verse 50 but it's the story of extravagant worship um, of a prostitute before Jesus' feet. And I thought this was such, such a fitting story, but I'm just going to paraphrase through this, but Jesus gets invited to a Jewish leader named Simon, his house. He's invited him over just to meet with him, to greet with him, and just get to know Jesus. And... As the story goes, a prostitute hears that Jesus is going to be at this house. She gets her finest alabaster flask, fills it with the very finest oil that she has because she heard that Jesus was there. She goes down in front of the whole house, right at Jesus' feet, pours out her oil, cries before him. And I thought... That was such a beautiful, extravagant way of worshiping. To hear that Jesus is there and go immediately gather your finest, most valuable possessions, pour them out before him. And I thought it was interesting. I was reading through this. Um, This is verse 39. But Simon, he's thinking to himself throughout this process. He discredits Jesus thinking surely Jesus isn't the prophet he claims to be because he would know that what this woman has done, there's no right for her to be here before him. And I love that Jesus responds this way. He says, Simon, I have a word for you. Go ahead, teacher. I want to hear it, he answered. He tells him the story of the banker and two people who are in debt. He lays it out before him. And it boils down to the one with the greater debt really loves and values the banker for forgiving him. Mm. He realizes the importance of what could have been had he not been forgiven and the glory and the love of the banker for forgiving him. And as he finishes that story, Jesus 
Jesus spoke to Simon about the woman still weeping at his feet. Don't you see this woman kneeling here? She's doing for me what you didn't bother to you. When you entered your home as your guest, you didn't think about offering me to wash the dust off my feet. Yet she came before your home and washed my feet with her many tears and then dried my feet with her hair. You didn't even welcome me into your home, even with the customary kiss of greeting. But when the moment I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take the time to anoint my head with fragrant oil, but she anointed my head and feet with her finest perfume. She has been forgiven of all her many sins. This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. Mm. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. Jesus forgives her right after that. And I was just so taken aback by that. Jesus, the authority over all to forgive, he does in front of Simon, in front of the people who should know, who have the training, who have all of the credentials that should say they know how to host the presence of God. They, they should know all of this. And yet, a prostitute realizes the value of the forgiveness that Jesus offers and worships him. Oh, good. Verse 50. And Jesus said to them, your faith in me has given you life. Now you may leave and walk in the ways of peace. I was thinking about that just a little bit more that where there's faith, there's life. And Mm. this is the time to be alive. This is the time to showcase and model what faith looks like. This is the time to be brilliantly shining with faith and with the life that Jesus gives us. And I thought it was so fitting too that after forgiveness, now you may leave and walk in the ways of peace. That there be peace right after that. Yeah. That you wouldn't have to be tormented by anything anymore. That you would have complete deliverance and that instead of bitterness instead of anxiety for whatever you've been forgiven for that you would immediately be given peace. And that has just stuck with me. That's good. When we realize we've been forgiven, we are called to walk in peace. Yes, 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 yes. The past is behind us and now we get to experience the glory of the Savior before us. And so I, I have just been undone reading this over and over. (laughs) God is really that good. He has such good plans for us, and he wants us to thrive in this season. This is the time to be alive. This is the time to have faith, unshakable. The world around us is shaking, literally. <laughs> and this is the time to have faith that is rested on solid ground. I, I just so strongly believe that for this season, this is the time we get to model it. This is the time we get to show our strength in the faith of God, that he is as good as he says he is, and even better the more we get to know him. So that's where I've been this Amen. Man. So awesome. So good. So, so good. Um, just our need for the Lord. That's something that so hit me. Um, you know, it talks about those who are forgiven much. Like that's when it's you realize, Lord, thank you so much. I, I have so much to be forgiven for. Thank you. And how we can kind of switch into this place of where we're like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Like, Thanks, Lord, where we can just be kind of okay with everything. And, mm-hmm. well, yesterday I was stressed out, and I realized that I spoke, like, sharply to people. And 
I was driving. I'm like, God, I need you so much. Lord, thank you for forgiving me for that. I thank you so much. Even in those moments, we realize our need for the Lord. Like truly realizing our need for God. God, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need the fruits of the Spirit to be so alive in my life. I get to lean into you and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. I want to really live the life of Christ. And so it's, it's our need for the Lord. And in that, it's where we just can't help but thank him. And we're like, God, thank you that your mercies are new today. Thank you. I really needed them to be new today because yesterday wasn't as good. <laughs> and I really needed, my dad's smiling because he knows, I really needed fresh mercy today. And so that's the reality of how good God is. It's every day. It's every moment. It's not some big thing where we're like, well, you did this huge thing, so that's why you need it. It's the little things is where we really begin to realize our need for the Lord, our total dependence on God, how much we need the Holy Spirit. Oh, he's just so good. I'm also freaking out about, like, I just, I love how the Lord speaks. So we didn't come together before and say, <laughs> yeah. like, hey, you speak on this. I'm going to speak on this. I'm going to speak on this. We, we pray, Lord, what are you saying? Yes. And then yes. we share what we feel like the Lord is saying. And it's just so awesome because these are all going to tie together. Like when we get, when we get our antenna up in the spiritual airwaves, we pick up what Holy Spirit is, how he's directing and what he has to say to the people. Yeah. We're praying for eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand. And in that we, we listen to the still small voice and then we go for it. Um, and my, my whole thing, what this, the title of mine is coming to the Lord and feasting on the Lord. The reality of coming to Jesus that, the Lord is teaching us in this time how to come to him, like how to really come to Jesus. Because a lot of time we're used to coming here and we're used to coming to people and having them, you know, like receiving from people. And that's wonderful. There is the laying out of hands, everything like that. But there is this place right now where it's a little uncomfortable for a lot of us because we're not used to our normal. And instead we're learning to really come to Jesus. And I believe that's what he's doing. It's the reality of he is everything. He is the foundation. It's all about Jesus. The basics, Jesus, coming to Jesus, coming to him. Um, Psalms 91, obviously everyone's been reading that a lot. And the first part of it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, which is the reality of dwelling, like he has to become our dwelling place. All these blessings that flow of Psalms 91 that we love to read. Um, he'll rescue you from every trap. He'll protect you from deadly diseases. Those follow dwelling in him. Those who dwell receive all of this. When we're living in him, when he is our dwelling place, that's when all this comes. When we're coming to Jesus. In him, there's blessing. There's life. Apart from him, there's nothing. <laughs> Mm. He is life. He is everything. Um, Matthew 6, 6 says, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Mm. I love this. that It says, when you pray. So first of all, that should make it clear to us. <laughs> we need to pray. 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 Hey, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And your father who is in the secret place. I love that. Who is in the secret place. He sees in secret and he rewards you openly. But it's the reality of 
each of us coming to the Lord, individually coming to the Lord, going into the secret place, shutting the door, being with him, our Father who is in secret. He's there. He's in the secret place. He's longing for us to meet him, to feed on Jesus, for him to be our source of life, for him to be our all in all, really. These times teach that more and more. Um, Pastor Destiny, our children's pastor, I love when she shares about her time with the Lord because she sets the table for Jesus. It's yeah. beautiful. She really prepares. Um, she has her candle set up. She has this music, all these things. Like she's setting up for a date with the King of Kings. And I love it because she makes this time for him, this expectancy. If she shows up, her affection is there. Her devotion, her attention is there. And the Lord meets her in these beautiful ways. But it is like her secret place with the Lord. And you should talk to her about it sometime because it's so beautiful. Like how she intentionally sets yeah. the place to meet with the Lord. It just blesses me. So first of all, we need to be praying, going to the secret place with the Lord. Um, John 15 talks about, you know, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what is this? It's all the reality of coming to the Lord. When we're in him, we bear much fruit. He remains in us. We abide in him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We have to come to Jesus. <laughs> we really have to come to yeah. the Lord. Like truly come to him. Live in him. Abide in him. Realize our continual need for him. While you're driving in the car, Lord, I need you. In this moment for me to be breathing, I need Jesus. I need him. Like take a deep breath. You need the Lord to be able to do that. For us to be able to breathe in that moment, we oh, need the Lord. And then, I believe this as well. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. But I, I love this because it's come to me all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. So it's learning how to come to the Lord in our weakness as well. So there's two different things where sometimes we feel like we need to have it all together. It's like some people feel like they need to have it all together before they come to the Lord, but that's not how it works in the kingdom. We come to him in our weakness and he gives us rest. It's coming to him in all the different seasons. But the reality that right now in this time of a little bit of chaos where worry, everything like that is happening, we get to come to him and he gives us rest and he gives us peace because when we're with him, he we see differently. When you spend time with the Lord as we were worshiping, we become aware of God, things change. So we have to come to him. And he teaches us, needing the Holy Spirit to stir up the fruit in my life. It's, it's us coming to the Lord, coming to the Lord. And when we come to him, in Matthew 5, you know, realizing our need for God and then the kingdom of heaven is ours. When we come to him, then we can experience his grace and his mercy that brings transformation in our lives. Because we need the Holy Spirit to bring that transformation in us. 
And it's quite refreshing when it comes. It's just like what you're talking about. It's that discipline. Like the Lord's discipline those that he loves. And, and then it's the thing of I, we ne- you just don't want to hurt his heart. Like, you know, when you do things, you're like, God, I just don't, I would never want to hurt your heart, Lord. Something I've been praying is, you know, Lord, teach me how to love you rightly even. Like, I love him with everything within me. And then I realize, wow, Lord, that actually wasn't very loving to you. Lord, will you just teach me what moves your heart? Or will you teach me how to love you rightly? Because I, I want to love you with everything in me, God. I started praying prayers like, Lord, teach me when I'm saying idle words. Because the Bible says you'll be judged for every idle word. <laughs> and then I started feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit over idle words. And it was like, ah! But it's knowing that the Lord is forming things in us that are eternal. He's preparing us for eternity. Okay. Ready? Let's dig into this here. Psalm 23 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So Jesus prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. So right now, Jesus actually has a table prepared for us. What is at the table is the question. What what is there? What is it that we are to feast on? So I want us to go to Exodus 12. This got me. I was freaking out when I read this. It says, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Catch that. A lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. According to each man, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may, you may, take, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in the fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. Jumping down. And when you see the blood, I will pass over you. So it's talking about putting the blood on the doorpost. Like we all know that story. But this is what got me, that there is a lamb for each household, a lamb for the house, a lamb for each person. Each person needs this lamb, needs the lamb. And then they are to do what to the lamb after they've killed it? What are they to do? They're to eat Eat the lamb. Eat the lamb. Okay. So each person in the household to eat the lamb. John 1.29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is the one who died for us. We are to feast on him. (laughs) Each of us to feast on the Lamb, the Lamb of God. John 6.53, so Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone, whoo, 
anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. <laughs> I live because of the living father who sent me in the same way. Anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. Jesus, I want to like freak out right now. <laughs> Anyone who what feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone life. who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. So we read Exodus. Each house needs a lamb, right? Right. Who's the lamb of God? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is that lamb for us. That means that each of us is to take that lamb and we are to feast on the Lord. Psalms 23, yes. I prepare a table for you yes. in the presence of yes. your enemies. Yes. What was prepared at the table? Jesus' finished work, his body, his blood that was shed. In these times, the Lord is calling us to himself. He is our foundation. It is all about Jesus. We are to feast on him. Jesus is true bread. His blood is true drink. That is our source of life. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And he's calling us to him. He is jealous for us. And he is saying, come to me. Come to me, come to me, feast on me, feast on what I have done, feast on my finished work, feast on my finished work, that we, we get to come, come to him, and the Lord is teaching us to do that in these times. He's teaching us the simplicity of coming to him. We come and we remember him. And so it's like when these times where we worship, we come and we thank him. We talked about we enter with thanksgiving and we thank him, we remember him what he's done. The Lord is teaching us to come to the table and to feast on him, all that he has done. He is overcome. He has overcome. It is all from he has prepared it. He really is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. This is all about Jesus. It's about coming to him and feasting on him, remaining in him. That's our source. Feasting is fighting. When we feast on Jesus, we are fighting. Because when I begin to feast on all that he has done, whoo, my faith grows. When I begin to remember everything that he has done, I go, Lord, you broke your body so that I could be whole. Thank you, Lord. Your blood was shed so that it would cleanse me, it would protect me, it would keep me from every sickness, disease. When I begin to feast on that, my faith grows everything changes mm -hmm. in those moments that's when yes. we get to rise yes. up in that faith yes. that unshakable yes. faith when we're feasting on the lord not on our works on what he has done and in that it stirs up faith and then works start happening <laughs> yeah it good. starts to happen because i feast on him mm. we feast on him we feast on the lamb we feast on the lamb so we're going to do that this morning actually um, so we're going to take communion here. We want you guys to be taking communion as well. If that means that you've got crackers and, you know, what did I, last week at my house, I had a saltine cracker and water. <laughs> and I used that as my communion. So if that's what it looks like, 
go for it. But we're going to take communion in remembrance of the Lord that we as a church, as a body, are feasting on the Lord. We are coming to Jesus and we are feasting on him, saying that his body has paid for everything. His blood has paid for everything. So we're going to do that here. Let's take, we'll do the bread first, guys. Yes, Lord, I just thank you that your body is true food. Your body is true food, Lord. We thank you that you broke your body so that we could be made whole. And so right now, if people are sick, if anything is going on, I thank you that this is healing power. Your body is healing for us, Lord. You were broken so that we could be made whole, Lord. So we thank you. We take of your body and we thank you lord that this is true food in jesus name amen take let's take the bread and lord we thank you for your blood that was shed god i thank you that it washes us clean Lord, I thank you that it has paid for every sickness, every disease, every infirmity, Lord, that your blood has shed it all, that you cleanse us. And when we plead the blood of Jesus over our homes, over our families, Lord, we take the lamb for our families. We take the lamb for each household. And we thank you for your blood that paid it all, that paid it all. So, Lord, we receive, we take of your blood today in Jesus' name. And we thank you that it is true drink. It is true drink in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, I just thank you that we come to you to feast on you, Lord. You are our all in all. You are more than enough, God. Woo! Lord, I thank you that we don't have to turn to anything else. We do not, we're, we will not turn to other things. We will not turn to fear. We will not turn to anxiety. We will not turn to whatever it is. We will turn to you, Jesus. You are the only one. It is only your blood and your body that can heal, that brought salvation. It is you. It is you alone. And we take the lamb. We feast on you, Lord. We come to you, Jesus. Thank you that you are teaching us how to feast on you, Lord. You are teaching us how to drink, Lord. You are teaching us how to drink from the living water, Lord. You are teaching us, God. And that's my prayer, Lord, for us as a church, for us as individuals, Lord, that we would learn to really come to you, Jesus. That we would really learn to come to you, Jesus. That you would really become our everything, God. And that you would teach us how to drink. You would teach us how to feast on you, Lord. Mm. That you would become more real than anything else, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Lord, we're, we're making you the foundation, the cornerstone, our everything. The simplicity of you and you alone. You and you alone, Jesus. Jesus. All of our affection, all of our devotion unto you, Jesus. So Lord, thank you for what you were doing. Thank you for drawing us to you, that you are becoming our first love and that you will remain our first love. So Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. And I just encourage you um, with your families, with you are on your own um 
just seek him. Just begin to lean in. Ask him something, that a, a prayer that I have is, Lord, teach me how to live for the things that will matter before the throne. Lord, teach me how to live for the things that will matter before the throne. Begin to pray those prayers. Ask the Lord those questions. Come to him. Come to him. Yes. Yeah. So we love you guys. We are excited about what the Lord is doing. We bless you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. We bless you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen.